mm. addiction is is something that's it's unsparing like it doesn't discriminate who it targets like from a from a judge you know supreme court level down to somebody who's just been like thrown out of their accommodation this is social fabric conversations with people about their passion and their contribution to the community for more information go to socialfabric.ie between heaven and hell said one was above one was below the ground who's gonna follow me down Barry Dempsey thanks a million for coming along no problem at all we don't know each other I know very little about you but I know a little bit about the work you do so if it's alright we start from there yeah sure just, absolutely uh, because it's, it's an area that really interests me and just tell me a bit about what you do and from the social care point of view. and Okay, so it's been probably, I'd say, roughly around kind of 20 years in the social care scene. Um, my role right now is a preventative support worker, working with teenagers who are at risk or actively using substances or alcohol. And they're obviously getting into situations that they, they, they can't fully control, whether that's sort of poor school attendance or hanging around with gangs or pushing their parents to the limit or homelessness and then you've got like mental health issues and stuff like that as well so by providing a preventative sort of network of support I think we're trying to stabilize behavior at Mm. an early age and what we're finding is increasingly it's probably I think years ago maybe a couple of generations ago it used to be like 17 18 year olds were in were in sort of trouble I think now we're finding the trends are a whole lot earlier and I think intervention is probably needed around nearly like 10 or 11 is oh, it's, it's actually got that young whether that's getting weed for free by a dealer um and then being asked to pay the money back in different ways of holding substances or whatever so there's a whole presentation of problems that mm. we we find that um the current trends are, are pretty pretty scary so Wow. And uh, so who, who do you work with? What's the organization? Or, or So I work for the Neighborhood and Family Youth Project based in Monkstown. And we would be funded partially by the local drug and alcohol task force. And then there's a family support end of, of our organization, which would be supported and funded by TUSLA. So my end of things would be working with other agencies, doing a lot of interagency collaboration and making sure that everybody is kind of on the same hymn sheet a little Mm. bit as well and that there's no kind of duplication of work but in terms of getting the optimum sort of results for my client my teenager it would be involving a wraparound service with other organizations as well and so you're based amongst them do you operate just around the south side then or it's kind of yeah there's there's an outreach luckily there's an outreach component to it so you can kind of get around a little bit of south side county dublin you know like drug issues the way they present withdrawal withdrawal paranoia reclusivity those are things that a teenager isn't going to exactly knock on your door looking for help so Mm. you need to kind of find them Mm. and see where they're at and kind of build that bridge and work to where they're at so there's a lot of harm reduction involved as well wow okay i didn't i must say i didn't know the the, the existence of this um the service Mm. and uh, it's good to know and there's many of you working in there We've got we've got two in our project, but we've got a sister project as well, and there's there's one person up there. But we've we've probably tried to create a bit of a hub um, of services. So the you know Dunleary and the Dunleary Ratdown area would be would be quite well serviced, I suppose, by established projects. And we're probably new enough on the scene in terms of it's kind of a pilot project, which is which is in its third close to its third year now. Um, but there are other established projects around. Okay. Well. I want to talk to you a lot more about that, but um, as I always do, we just break it down straight away with a, with a song, and a lovely song you put down is uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps yeah. by the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What's that yeah. all about? Uh, well, I grew up in Belgium. Um, I spent sort of 10 years in Belgium. My my mother and father were, were, were over there kind of working, and they took myself and my, my younger sister, luckily, with them. And um, we did a lot of family holidays to Spain, Italy, France and the car journeys were kind of soundtracked by the Beatles early work and kind of all the way through so the Beatles was just something that 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 kind of really came to me as the first band musically 
that really kind of spoke to me. And then While My Guitar Gently Weeps as well is just one of those ballady sort of tunes that speaks to a lot of people, I think. And uh, I think it was... It's fabulous tune. Yeah, Prince's solo as well in the live version. That's um, right. Was, was insane. So yeah, that's yeah. where that comes from. Brilliant. Tell me a bit about the, the type, no, obviously not the case, specific cases, but what kind of cases you're dealing with in terms of your clients, your your youth that you're trying to prevent. Like you mentioned something like life sentences and prison work. and Yeah, yeah, I suppose, I mean, it's it's hard to see where, where it, it sort of started, but where I've kind of ended up is, I feel, the culmination of studying and working with kind of the right agencies as well in that working with teenagers and a preventative model of addiction, mm. the, those two are just married perfectly. Like, there's, mm. there's, that's where I really find myself. But that that comes from, you know, in order to look forward, you have to know where you've been. Mm. So I did do a whole lot of different stuff as well. And, you know, worked with kind of like like profound psychiatric patients and, and, and worked, did a bit of in-reach into prisons as well, supported ex-offenders post-release, and I suppose I found that you'd, 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 you'd need to put a lot of energy into someone who's been incarcerated for a good length of time and have lost those sort of skills and that skill set that they would have had. And then you're breaking the cycle of reoffending as well. Takes an enormous amount of effort, both on their behalf and on behalf of agencies trying to assist and probation and the guards and all that as well. So I think it got to the stage where I was like, I think it's 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 probably better to try and focus on 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 a younger sort of client okay. group because you might get more of a yield or a return. Personally, that's just my view. It's not the view of everybody, but I was quite happy to kind of to to go down that road. Um, so yeah, I've worked with life sentence prisoners and yeah, some some challenging behaviour cases. Definitely, yeah, yeah, some right. pretty pretty harsh ones. Yeah, and um, well, the prevention is obviously it's very interesting because uh, there's. The society. I don't know if it's the society or, or, or um, I don't know what's happening and if it's the availability, if it's the ease of getting anything you want, drugs or alcohol, I mm. don't know. It seemed to be a never-ending, but maybe the problem was always there. There was always a way to get what you wanted. Yeah. But you're saying that it's getting, you're finding that it's getting a little bit younger. And um, what, what do you think, I mean, from the people you're working with, what do you think is the main issue there i mean are you are you working specifically with us with us an area of society well less well off yeah or, i know what you mean yeah or is it is it kind of endemic across where you it's it's again it's it's it could be a little bit of both because you you're probably dealing with predominantly the lower socioeconomic bracket mm-hmm. like the real marginalized and disenfranchised mm-hmm. and you know kind of intergenerational drug abuse as well it's kind of carried on mm-hmm. and it seems to be Sometimes it's kind of nearly all a family knows or it's all a person knows because that's just the way it is. And there's a lack of intervention all along and there always has been historically and it seems like nearly there always will be. And people kind of nearly tend to almost just give up and concede and give in. Um, So there's probably like education is lacking in there where services can empower and educate and that's where I would believe again the preventative nature Mm. is to get in there and just be kind of saying look there is another way believe in yourself a little bit more and a lot of my work would be around the sense of self so it's a lot of like what Rogers would have spoke about to be able to tap into what you have yourself and I suppose that would be the one to work one work that I would do would be to to explore 
what sort of developmental attributes someone would have in them and how to like extract them and make someone kind of believe like they are the masters of their own destiny as well and it's I understand it and I think it's a great idea but how how successful and, and I know it's, it's hard to just to have a how do you quantify success because one, one kid out of that group that's a success and out of 100 out of 10 it doesn't matter yeah. it's still a success but when you're going in to try to prevent and to try to break that that uh, cycle that is coming down from generation and you're trying to talk to the parents mm. that might not be mm. yeah they might not have yeah. a way out at this stage unfortunately yeah, yeah. they might have gone beyond um, but you're trying to get the kid to step out of that yeah that must be quite uh, quite a challenge is it, it did you have a success in that way where the parents went like you're right i know what we need to do here we need yeah to- you you find once you you come in and you're not you're not talking down, you're not telling them this is what you need to do. Once you have that sort of relationship built up, you've kind of come in on an equal platform of saying like, look, you guys are actually the experts here. You tell me how it's going to work. And then you kind of give them that sense of, yeah, this is achievable, it's possible. Mm. And then you go along with that and the relationship is just crucial. Like I wouldn't, I, th- I find my, like my first session or my walk, my walking into somebody's house being really humble and being really like I'm not going to sit down unless I'm asked to I'm not going to ask for a cup of tea you know I'm going to take what I'm offered but it's that sense of once you're on an equal footing and you haven't kind of come in in a threatening manner or whatever that 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 disarms a lot and once the, the, the gates kind of come down and the barriers come down that's when you're in and your goal is to get a second meeting once you've got your second meeting the rest rolls like okay. absolutely rolls and yeah, and we've got like an enormous amount of successes. Like whether that's somebody giving up weed entirely at the age of 14, whether that's being able to get somebody on medication for their ADHD that's been undiagnosed and they're on, in danger of getting kicked out of school, that's a success. Giving someone the ability to have a reduced timetable to maintain a really busy school environment, that's a success. Getting a, a mother to go for a job interview, massive success. You know, no, no, so while they're fantastic. out in the big bad world, they might seem trivial enough to you or I when you when you set the, the bench the benchmark a little bit lower and you, you kind of look at the family history and the mental health and the addiction you're able to see you know that that the little wins are just massive yeah because I guess uh, if you're in uh, and sometimes um, this particular families or particular individual leave it within a, a group or, or an area whereby there's other people in the same situation so mm. That little success, the yeah. girl going to coming back from work, yeah, and might inspire others. Yeah, to, that's it. No, that's exactly that's, it. That's great. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it's. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But no, no, it's it's, it's not a gimme by any stretch of the road. But it, like you said, like it's it's empowering a couple of members in a community to reach a little bit higher, mm. and then it does. It gets infectious. People look around and go. If they can do it, why can't I? Mm-hmm. And then you get this movement from within, and that's why this whole social fabric thing really mm. spoke to me because yeah, yeah. that's what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to get growth, but not tell someone how to grow. Sure. It's 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 get them to grow from within. Yeah, absolutely. If you get me, yeah. Okay. Um, the next song you have a lovely song, Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. Yeah, a classic. I didn't I didn't want to go something that classic, but look, the beat. The video, Michael Jackson was probably one of the first artists on um, on MTV that I would have I would have been glued to, and that was back in the days when MTV yeah, yeah. played videos, yeah, yeah. and I would have been there with the record button on standby, and yeah, classic. And then the Motown live version when he moonwalks across the stage, uh, that that was just something that stuck with me. Yeah, Crazy. classic. Don't 
not more I want to ask you, but tell me a little bit more about you. I just met you, you were in, uh, in uh, Belgium for a while. Just, just give us an idea who we're talking to, just anything at all. You were born here in Dublin? Yeah, born here in Dublin, lived here till I was seven, and then moved over and did 10 years. Did ten years? Sounds like a prison sentence, but no, it wasn't. It was it. It was nice. It was. It was really good. At the time, I didn't really appreciate it, but being it was in a European school, so we were kind of politely encouraged slash force fed languages. So was able to learn French. You had to kind of learn 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 two foreign languages. So French and Spanish. Luckily, which I still have, not as good as they were back then, but um, having. European friends and being able to have conversations and switch between French, Spanish and a little bit of Dutch was just a really, really, really good advantage to have as a, as a kid kind of growing up. And it was just brilliant to have that opportunity to be able to like expand your horizon at that age. And then that obviously stuck with me somewhere along the line because I've always wanted to have like a kind of that intermeshed social side of things with different cultures as well. Um, so yeah, we were we were very lucky and we count ourselves very lucky that we had a, a mother and father who were working over there and we could travel over and back a little bit. And uh, it all came crashing down when I came back to Ireland to do my leaving cert and went to boarding school. That was right. culture shock awakening. Where uh, were you in boarding school? I was in... Um, in a, in a college sort of north, sure. north, yeah, yeah, west, westish okay, Dublin, um, and yeah, it was just a bit weird. It was, it was right. quite surreal. Yeah, yeah. And um, then you stayed on in, in Ireland, then, or you didn't move back? Yeah, no, stayed stayed on, and then um, the parents um, moved back. With my sister then about two years afterwards, and then I started my kind of my college road then and studied in Carlow and did social studies, applied social studies and social care. Mm which opened loads of like doors of this is what you could do, this is where you could go. Mm. And I was kind of like, wow, I really like that. You know, zero unemployment in the field of social care at the time right. was great. I think my dad wanted me to do like, what was it, marketing through French, marketing through Spanish. And he was kind of like, put that down first. And I was like, look, I was told I got to follow my heart here. So I'm going to follow my heart. Um, so yeah, so and then the rest just sort of was, was employment after that then in different okay. different areas. Okay, so in Ireland... Uh you're happy enough to be in Ireland, anyway. You, know, you don't miss uh, Belgium or. I look. I went back last year for a festival, and it was really good to go back as a as a visitor, as a tourist. It was great, but a lot of my friends wouldn't be there anymore, and I think your memory of what it was is yeah. is, is probably better left as a memory than go back and trying to recreate it. It doesn't always live up to it as well. No, I know. I asked. I asked this the same to Tom's culture that was on the uh, ah, podcast yeah, yeah, before yeah. because CEO, he, he's, yeah. he's like me. Uh, He's an expat or whatever immigrant, 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 whatever you want to call us. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you obviously went through the same. So from seven to seventeen, so a lot of your mates would have been of, of those important years of fifteen years. Oh man, yeah, totally. They're Absolutely. they're yeah. there or somewhere else. They're not with you at the moment anymore. So you have to rebuild that friendship. Yeah. Uh, from twenty onwards, type yeah. Of thing. yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, that that was it. It was the core, the core yeah. years where everything's yeah. at its, its its strongest cohesion, and then it just kind of gradually fell away. Yeah. And that was probably difficult to deal with at the time. I think. Yeah, yeah so we were just talking mm. just before we switched on the the microphone that about those uh, teenage years that we all do something that we shouldn't be doing, or we explore, and uh, and that's normally the people you. You share with the stay friends uh, yeah. for a long time. Yeah, that's the age. That's the exact age, you're right, yeah. Very good. Um, okay, so then you have um, Tom Petty, Running Down a Dream. Great song. Yeah, again, um, classic. First first concert I ever went to was, was Tom Petty, and um, that was probably age 13, and that was a real eye-opener, which made it all the harder when he passed on um, last year, which was a big... You know, which was which was a big deal, but I was I was really happy. My dad got me the ticket. He couldn't go with me, but I went with my mum. And there was something about being thirteen at a gig in you know in Brussels or wherever. Mm. But it was a real uh, wow. This is this is the guy from the tele from TV from MTV. Like you know, I think learning to fly was pretty big at that stage. Yeah, yeah. And um, just then, all the rest, everything he touched turned to gold. And yeah. even before that, like the traveling blueberries and all that, absolutely amazing, amazing musician. Yeah, no, it's a big love for Me and Dale were singing 
Another thing you have um, you have done or you're doing it, you're doing some voiceover. Correct. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, it was it was it was just a funny sort of few people just started saying, "Would you consider?" Do you know on telephone calls and stuff like that, it would be like, "Hey, are you radio DJ or something like that?" And I was like, "No, I'm not." And then after a while, there was a guy who came and did a snippet when I was volunteering with the Simon community. And he was from RTE and he did like, it was like one of these, you know, eyewitness things where it's a 10 minute thing late at night. And I was volunteering with the Simon community. He came in to record some stuff and he was just like, look, would you be able to just kind of like be, be the, be the person that we just go to for, for a little segment. And it was actually him, a guy called Paul Brady. And he was the one who was like, you should really get into something. And I joined up at an agency and I got a good bit of work out of it and put a few demos together. I'm recording an audio book at the moment for a um, for a crime writer called Derek Fee, and it's looking like he's going to produce. It's going to be a mini series, but they're looking at a film and all this. And his son is based in LA, and I'm going over to LA in a while to see if we can kind of make anything work as well. So it's it's another avenue completely. It's separate to fatherhood, separate to work. It's it's a hobby kind of, but um, yeah, it's it's something that I I've got a home studio at home as well, so. I'm kind of all set. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, audiobooks and like documentaries, anything really? Or? It's probably just like, it's, it, look, it started off with some sort of um, just basic kind of narration. I used to think like my thing was accents. I think everybody needs to stumble through and find their niche. But I think just straight narration is the thing. And, and you know, yeah, it can be anything like educational videos, self-help videos. I've done, I've done a solicitor companies have done okay. various different things yeah 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 that's a good nice it is a niche because um and i know i have a few friends in the in the music business and, and a lot of them obviously lovely voices and some of them <laughs> i've been making more money out of voiceover yeah than, it, it, uh, unfortunately the music business is just just uh, it's just really bad at the moment it is of what uh, spotify and other companies are doing so they have lovely voices and um, they, you know, they have to commercialize it. I know what you mean, which goes against their kind of grain of, of who they, they are and all that. Bills, Everyone has know? a career, totally, yeah. yeah Everyone it's has it's to an honest job, you know. Feed so. and clothe themselves, yeah, you said Speaking it. of feed and clothing, uh, you have three kids? Correct, uh, yeah, three. So what's, what's that like? It's good, it's good. It's, it's, it's like t twin boys in there too and um, a six-year-old daughter as well. So it's, it's a busy little house. And as of yesterday, we just sat down with a lady from, from an agency and we agreed to take on a Spanish student for a month as well. So, yeah, great. The more the merrier, right? <laughs> um, so it's, 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 it's good fun now. The first year was a bit rocky with the, with the boys. It was like working full time and mm. my amazing wife would work full time as well. But she did her time at home. So all credit to her. But we, we, we've got through it. It's now the, the funny, laughy stage. But there was the heavy fog eyes burning tiredness no stage no sleep autopilot yeah 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 no it's uh it's good though yeah no <laughs> it's, it's it is though it's fun now yeah no it is it's good it's good and this is one of the songs that i don't know is i've never really listened to soundgarden outshined yeah i this is starting to sound like a bit of a morbid list because like chris passed like two years ago as well um but that was probably the first kind of grunge song I'd, I'd heard and I was probably around 14 and I was like the first time I'd heard an instrument down tuned to D or something and it was just so heavy, so powerful. It was like a, just an awakening. It was like, what is this and how do I get more? And that paved the way for probably a lot of kind of grunge melody bands for the next kind of good few years. Um, but yeah, yeah. And another one, obviously, who's 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 passed on, whether... It was intentional suicide or not. We, we're not still sure. I still don't know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Vicky Cornell is obviously, you know, saying that it was it, the, the mixture of medication just just wasn't right. And so many people have gone down the same road mm. as well, unfortunately. Mm. But musically, what a guy. Vocally, what a powerhouse as well. So mm. he had to be in there. Seven songs, Andre, is not easy. I know, you, you, I know. You, you know. I know it's not. No. Uh, it's much easier if I say, give me a hundred. Yeah, and we would just be sitting I know, but that's the, that's the journey. I like everybody. To go it's good. It. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's good.
kind of got in touch with each other over social media because that's the, that's the beauty of social media it has its purpose mm-hmm. yeah you kind of volunteer the idea look if I can do anything what would you like to do I don't mean with me only but what would you see the work you're doing it's one one-on-one which is great and probably has to be one-on-one but mm. would you need like I never heard of like I know the outreach programs I know a few things and but I never heard of what you're doing I never heard of as a, as a, a company not a company whatever you call it organization yeah an too. organization yeah or and, an agency uh, or whatever yeah and and uh, you're right like from uh, middle class person like myself it's easy it's easy just to lock the front door and forget about what's happening on the other side of the the green you know and but that's I think what what is wrong with society we need, we really need to try to figure out how we can help each other whichever way it is yeah. uh, so what would you like to do uh, to make it happen to be making that kid that gets off gets on the program and moves on and the mother gets a job how to grow that how to make your job more successful not your job but your what you're trying to do what your organization is trying to do well i suppose it's like your one-to-one is really you know your one-to-one is really good but sometimes you feel like you could you should have a megaphone you know because mm. what you're, you're speaking to one client but you could be speaking to a hundred clients at the same time mm. the issues are very interrelated and they're very they're not mutually exclusive you know so what i'd like to see happening is is and that's why i think like seeing what social fabric was all about was about like weaving together like-minded people and that's what i see happening because communication is key and that's what i find in work Mm. there's a parenting course that we would offer as well and it all centers around the relationship and communication and those two cornerstones are just are just massive and you can never really underestimate so if the more more people are able to be in touch with each other and in connection with each other and finding out what each other are doing and that's that's i suppose where we are in south dublin at the moment is where we're trying to develop like this web of support Mm. so that the left hand knows what the right hand is doing Mm. And that way you can kind of like increasingly put put the network out there to help en masse as it is and mobilize a big group to help an even, even bigger group. I mean, say like you work with one person, it's that whole like um, feed a man or give a man a fish, he'll feed for a day, sure. teach a man to fish and he'll feed for yeah. a lifetime. And that's what probably what we're trying to do, but we don't, I don't think have the resources to educate enough people to communicate with each other as to where they're at, how they feel, what they need. And that includes like parents to their kids and kids to their parents as well. That's, I suppose, where we're, where we're finding it's like nine and 10 year olds need to be sort of held in such a way that they know what's coming. They know where the boundaries are and parents need to be able to set them as well. And that's what we're finding is we're finding is kind of lacking. So if it can begin at a preventative stage in a young age, I think that's where we're, we've we've got a, a fighting chance mm-hmm. to problem solve. I suppose okay. when things get tough. Yeah, and I and I hear you, and I, and I think you're right. What I what I when I started this, uh, and the idea of the, the podcast is simple. It's a simple idea to talk to as many people as possible in different, doing different things. Different, yeah, because then we meet like-minded people and trying to get get us all together and hopefully get something out of it and and whether it's a case of organizing something in your area with your kids too because what i found and probably that's what you find uh sometimes a bit of some if you start to put more than five or six kids together all of a sudden it becomes a bit of an institution which is similar mm. enough to what the school's trying to do and and or the church so that's what I'm hoping to, 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 to build it from the ground up. As you say, if, if that kid, those two kids, three kids, all of a sudden organize something, yeah, then maybe you come out with, with a more um, level. Yeah. And an easier level to get to the success you want. Because I, I just find, and I don't know if it's the same with you, but a lot of the kids don't react too well to institutions you know oh God, no. and um you know and you you say yourself you go in you get to their level before you can actually relate to them and that's uh it's a difficult thing to do but because mm. you look at a lot of kids who have been through a lot of stuff and a lot of families would have had people like you know guardy prison prison officers judges dictating this is what needs to happen next mm-hmm. with the finger pointing and you need to do this 
you know, strip that away for a minute and treat someone like a human being mm. and talk to them and ask them how they're feeling. Are they okay? Are they warm? Are they cold? Do they want something mm. to eat? Strip it all right back. Like Maslow was onto something when he had his pyramid of basic needs mm-hmm. and his hierarchy of needs, which is like food, safety, shelter, you know, and, and then as you, the need to belong, the need to be loved. You know, it, it gradually, once each need is met, you can spiral up onto the next one as well. Hmm. And that's where, like, the power of self-belief really comes in. And when you when you let people know, like, you're, you're a human being, you're going through a shit time. Let's figure out how to work it out. Hmm. And you come up with a collaborative plan. So it's not you dictating, it's it's you together. And I'd always be using, like, we, 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 True. we. So you're a team. Not, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's, 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 it's really you're showing that you're hmm. taking it on shoulder to shoulder let's go for it like that's 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 where that's where it's kind of at yeah okay um before i ask you a couple more things you have this uh, black sabbath <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's with leaf yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, black sabbath is, is something i never got into black sabbath really uh, no never i could never i could never really listen to them but that, that's me could you not yeah, yeah. Um, my dad got me my first CD like compact disc and that was Black Sabbath's Greatest Hits and he also or my parents got me my first kind of hi-fi and I set the alarm wrong on it and somehow Paranoid came blaring on it like four in the morning for two consecutive nights I don't know what I did I was new to stuff stuff was new to me um, but yeah Black Sabbath definitely was, was probably one of those bands my dad has an insane record collection and CD collection and stuff and uh, yeah it was it was definitely one of those songs or it was look it's a band that needed to be there because it, they were responsible for so much now okay. not the music is the devil and all that sort of stuff sure. that was very very heavily misunderstood but <laughs> look they, they kicked off something anyway yeah yeah. Did, yeah I uh, look at them they're one of the best bands around that just I, they were never for me but that's fair enough we'll, yeah we'll yeah. play it anyway okay good man <laughs> I go out and do my job. It's pretty straightforward. I'm not saving the world, um, but anyway, you are. You know, you are saving lives, which is it's quite a big ask, you know. But how how do you prepare for it, and how do you wind down when you get home? Like, I'm sure some days are pretty rough, and some days are great. Or am I am I assuming the wrong? Yeah, no. You can have you can have a couple of rough days. It wouldn't be the probably the area it is without pulling on heartstrings I suppose um, I suppose the way you deal with that is your your boundaries and that's something you'd be you know you learn in college and it's it's the ethics of every organisation and the cornerstone of being able to I suppose have longevity in your career is to be able to mind yourself and look after yourself it's easier said than done mm. but I, I would try and kind of work out and I'd try and run and I'd try and keep fit like that um, the, the key is to be able to leave your job at the door when you leave and um luckily now this 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 organization i'm able to like knock my phone off at night it's not something that you're on call mm. previous jobs have had to be on call and that's where you find your finite reserve of of energy mm. getting depleted quite quickly mm. um but yeah you need to mind yourself and you need to be there for your family which is what i've noticed as well you've got young kids they don't take into account oh yeah here's daddy he's had a shit day you know um, you need to be on it when you come home play, yeah. and you need to be on it first thing in the morning when you get up as well so it's about minding yourself and probably being aware of your limitations as well as to what you can take on in work you know mm-hmm. and outside I suppose sure. yeah but emotionally it must be quite a strain too I mean you're working with nine, ten years old you're now a father of a six year old you know 
it's that it's that emotionally dealing with a kid that is only a couple of years older than your daughter, and he's just he's following a path, the path to self destruction. Mm. I mean, how do you deal with that emotionally? I suppose it makes you more appreciative, more thankful um, for what you do have and for who you are in terms of your upbringing, your values, your family beliefs, mm. and your probably your love back for your parents for bringing you up that way and for being in the privileged position that you can help others then mm. as well. You can, you, can, you can give that on, you pay mm. it forward. So coming home in the evening, there's, there's an extra special squeeze for your kids to be able to go, well, we're doing something right at the moment, but it's it's at the moment, you know. It's sure, it's, sure. It's it's there for the moment, and we'll take that. We'll take that all day long, because who's to know what could happen potentially further down the track? But I think if the right amount of effort is there, and the mm. right amount of love is there as well. Mm. I'm not saying that like families that who have, you know, who have love, like they've 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 fallen off the wagon or anything. It 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 can happen. It sure. can happen at any stage, any times, anybody as well. Mm. Addiction is is something that's. It's unsparing, like it doesn't discriminate who it targets, like from a from a judge, you know, Supreme Court level down to somebody who's just been like thrown out of their accommodation as well. It's uh yeah. Yeah, I know it's a t- it's a tough one. Fair, fair play to you for uh, and your colleagues for doing something and um, well, no, society needs this well, and it means uh, a lot though, thank you. Yeah, no, no. And uh, but and and again just because out of curiosity um, have you seen? I mean, you've been working in this field for close to twenty years. You said, yeah, roughly. That's and have you noticed uh, in Ireland? Have you noticed any trends due to the um, the economical situation, like the economy? Like I don't know, I ten whatever it was the, the first Celtic target, whatever that was, and now we're on to the second one. And in between, the, we were supposed to have had a recession, but mm. that must have had an effect at some point with some of the people you worked with, or yeah, I suppose that at a, one at a certain time, it was all of a sudden, you know, after the kind of the crash happened, it was it's probably very easy to accommodate people. That's what we found. It was in that job where prisoners were were leaving prison and they needed to be accommodated, and yeah, it was it was absolutely no problem. That was one thing that that. Everything there was a lot of space. Everything freed up. I suppose less people were taking cocaine was a massive thing, you know, because people just didn't have the disposable income anymore. Interesting. And that's where I suppose, like, you know, residential drug treatment trends they probably dropped. Um, and then gradually, then things started to slowly bubble. And now we've got that obscene state last night where that family had to stay in Talagarda Station. Uh, I think it was a mother and her six kids. That's right. Think? Yes, yes. So we've got this now at beyond breaking point. I mean, I think it was like three, two years ago, whatever amount of homeless families was breaking point. Now it's oversaturation breaking point. But unfortunately, with no end in sight. But in terms of the drug trend, I think I think more people now are seeking residential treatment for cocaine abuse. So I think that's up 200% than it was in the space of, of two years. So that kind of tells you where people are at now. Um, is there any learning? Absolutely not. Um, we're entering into another really bleak black hole. And it seems like history is destined to repeat itself, unfortunately. Wow. Comfortably numb. Like hey, what a, what, a, <laughs> what a perfect What a link song, in, yeah. eh? Um, <laughs> yeah, again, like Pink Floyd was was probably a big a big part of the influences musical influences and stuff and my dad was a huge fan and we went to see Roger Waters in the Three Arena a few years ago and that was a moment of cross-generational musical bliss and Comfortably Numb was the song with that ripping guitar solo that I think we both looked at each other I put my arm on his shoulder and was just like this is it Pink Floyd needed to be in there yeah it was nice Hello Show me where 
happened towards the end now, but um, so initially when I started this idea, I thought the main thing that really concerned me was self-harm in, in, and suicide in teenagers. And that's where it started off. And then I, I looked around and I thought, oh no, this is some great lost for life. There's a, there's a lot of great, great organizations out there doing yeah. Yeah. what they need to do. And it's fabulous. So I thought, yeah. no, I don't, I don't need to be another. I said, yeah. I'm going to try to get a different route and try to recreate some sort of communication between people and hopefully inspire my kids and other, other kids to, to yeah. do things like, um, but where is self-harm like you do you do work with self-harm uh, yeah how do you find uh, like is that again i thought it was an increase in it simply down to social media that was one of the things and i thought oh is it really happening because of social media because it's, it's not trendy is the wrong word but it, mm. there was some sort of a fad going on so i don't know what you what you find on on the ground I suppose social media has probably brought it more into people's lives than it probably was before. There's those stupid challenges. There's those stupid sites. But other people who are going through really, really stressful times and really like parents going through bitter divorces or whatever, or people have gone through different types of abuse, they find some sort of relief in being able to like find somewhere where their questions can get answered because it is quite a taboo subject and young people find it hard to go and ask anybody about it like you can't approach someone and go tell me a bit about self-harm like how does it work how do I do it or whatever so the internet is that blessing and a curse at the same time but I suppose what we found is the age of self-harm is, is unfortunately it's getting younger the methods are probably getting a bit more they're a bit more out there as well and in terms of offering support I know mu music is a massive thing like that whole emo music thing like that that actually saved an enormous amount of confused mm. people who were able to they couldn't identify with anybody so they became this genre by themselves who were able to identify with each other and whether that spawns from like The Cure or whatever back then um, they were able to form this kind of close bond and then when Chester Bennington passed away that was another thing that was a you know, the Lincoln Park was a big salvation for confused teens. And I suppose now we're seeing just it's 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 everything though. It's children being bullied, it's children being ostracized, it's it's children not necessarily looking for some form of attention, but looking to understand what it is that they feel and why it is they feel this way. And maybe that's a lack of maybe that's a mental health issue and they have anxiety and they don't know how to deal with it or don't know how to process it. And that's, I suppose, where we'd be looking for those subtle signs as well in schools of poor school retention or formerly was able to do really well in tests or exams and they've kind of backed off or changes in groups of friends. You know, what does that mean? Or, you know, like connecting with different people online, mm -hmm. meeting strangers. It, it's all wrapped up. It's, 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 it's all wrapped up in the one, whether that be like drug use or self-harm or mental health. It's hard to split and differentiate, but... Um, and because um, again another thing that it sparked this was the fact that I, I wasn't seeing enough uh, people hanging around you know what I, I used to do I used to sit around with friends and have a chat oh yeah yeah day. yeah of course and then you move to another place and have another chat and, and now I, I don't know it's it's very hard like there's some parts of Dublin where you still see people wandering around and kicking a ball but I, there's nobody kicking a ball near my, my house. I know. And uh, and I know you said uh, the you know bullying and so on, but I think that it was always there. It's just I'm I'm wondering whether the isolation of the mobile phones and and all of that is just creating more harm than than it need to be because those poor kids you work with that might have experienced self harm, might experience bullying. Do they really talk to other kids their age um, mm. in the neighborhood? I don't know. Do they? Um, I don't think they do because, it, like, like you said, it is. It's very individual. Like that whole screen time, screen, screen addiction, social media addiction. Like that is a very individual, unique thing, and that's that immediate gratification. And you don't really see kids out there that much rollerblading mm. or mm. you know, there's pockets that skateboard and stuff like that, but. You would have people who have kind of like backed away and, and what we're seeing is like kids, kids 13 in, in their rooms just on Snapchat, just on Instagram, just 
checking their followers, photographing lots of stuff and trying to get that kind of validation from their friends. And that sort of everything is for likes and everything is looking at those in California and L.A. and New York and oh, this is what you have to wear to fit in now. And it's sending that message to teenagers that it's it's not okay just to be yourself anymore. You need to look a certain way. You need to have this many followers. You need to have this latest kind of foundation or whatever it is or, or, or these kind of clothes. And that's where a lot of people get really messed. I was going to swear, sorry. <laughs> really messed up over, I'm never going to attain that. That's unrealistic for me. So what does that say to a young person then who's like, well, I'm not going to fit in, so why try? Sure. And then they fall fall off and then there's the self-esteem issues and then how does that manifest and then you have the escapism and that's where the drugs come in as well. Mm. So it's about instilling that sort of, Jesus, be okay with who you are. You sure. know, you are who you are and that's that self-belief again where, where I try and come from with the with, with the kids that I, or the kids, teens, sorry, that I'd work sure. with. You know. um, so for anybody that either wants to avail of your, your services or once again, are you looking for volunteers or anything that uh, anything you want to talk to about if anybody listening to this we're we're probably we're probably pretty pretty small at the moment hopefully going to get bigger we're going through a rebranding we have a strategic plan at the moment so we would love to be in a position where you take on volunteers to be able to do a lot more kind of work that than than we can do at the moment but um yeah just keep an eye on the on the drugs the Dunleary Rat Down Drugs Task Force website yeah, just just watch that kind of space, and if anyone wants to to drop an email, it's Barry at nyfp.ie. And if a parent or somebody concerned at the moment about their kid or, or themselves wanting to to reach out, same thing, just yeah, just just you. drop me an email because look, you, you I I've got calls from sort of North County Dublin. I don't know how it's got kind of over there to that far, but. Just, just concerned parents ringing up and going, "Come here, look, this is my my, my son or my my nephew." Was one call? It's like my nephew's owes a couple of thousand. That's the, the big thing at the moment. Is yeah. like weed is so readily available, it's costing thousands of euro. And then of course the guys come knocking for their money, and how how are you going to pay it back? Yeah. You know the threatening threats of the house. I read a story the other night where a woman a family's house just burned to the ground because yeah. the, the debt couldn't be paid. So like that, even if it's just information clarification, yeah drop a line um, and then you might be able to direct them to the right person yes whether, look whether if, if, if that's exactly side. it if we oh, can't if we can't help or we can't provide a service we can definitely signpost to where we'd, we'd get an answer okay well, that's important. like uh, as you say it's interesting you mentioned an aunt or an uncle because sometimes the, us as parents can be quite blind we don't want to you know, we don't know exactly yeah. Yeah. what our kids are doing or we don't want to know or we find it hard so sometimes it could be a neighbour could be but yeah, the, totally. if it saves some kids uh, future yeah uh, one email or one phone call or it's, it's well worth doing that's it and uh, before we play the last song as I always ask everybody to leave us with a couple of words of wisdom what would you say I suppose a couple of words of wisdom I wouldn't really have I wouldn't really call it wisdom <laughs> but I'd, I'd, I'd just say to you know to to just like respect listen not even like give advice uh in in that's what i would find just not to not to give advice just be there listen and encourage as as basic as that and i think once those things are there then the rest will follow but yeah that's me it's good enough for me and we'll leave it with the last song which is um make it with you by queen of stone age yeah what about that song that's probably myself and my wife's kind of song. We've we've probably seen them about like four four times, I think. Lucky enough to see them four times. And that's I I was kinda of saying it should be our wedding song, but I got overruled. But uh <laughs> but anyway. Your, what was your wedding song then? We had Stand By Me. Okay. Which was lovely and it's it was sung song. by her father who's oh, who's who's in a band as well. So um so that was nice, but it's our unofficial wedding song okay, by Queens of the Stone Age. And thank you so much. <laughs> well, very thanks a million. That was uh, fascinating and best of luck. Yeah, thanks a million, Andrea. Cheers. Thank you.
Just say.